So it is a real one's birthday today, people. Like literally a realer than real one, a icon living. No, I'm not talking about Jaden Smith. Of course not. I'm not talking about Jaden Smith. And I actually, I actually like Jaden Smith, man. Big shout out to him. I, I especially like Jaden Smith because he is a hybrid. He's part uh wherever jada pinkett is from i can't remember exactly where she's from but shout out to her too because i just did commentary for demon knight last night if y'all want to check it out see how it all comes full circle man but uh he's he's also a product of philly because will smith is from philly so he's a hybrid but um this is not the icon living that i'm talking about he is not the one i'm talking about i'm actually talking about ll cool j man is celebrating his um 53rd birthday today man 53 years young and the guy, you know, other than just getting more and more muscular, he's like the hip hop black version of, of uh, Dwayne Johnson or some shit, man. Because LL was one of, you know, I watched SWAT the other night and I don't know when he got on a certain workout regimen for him to get that buff. But the dude is fucking jacked, man. But that's neither here nor there. Like I said, today is LL's 53rd birthday. So happy birthday. Shout out to, you know, Mr. Smith. You know, uh, not Hugo Weaven from the Matrix, but, you know, we know his real name, James Todd Smith, but L Cool J, man, it's a real one's birthday today. And um, being as though it's L Cool J's birthday, it just dawned on me that I actually had this done, um, this outline done probably sometime last week, I want to say. And not only am I almost done, you know, I think I've got like three more pages left in this notebook to fill with the outlines for the podcast, but this was something that I was actually wanting to do because I feel like uh, while everything I do on this podcast is movie based, uh, I feel like I do want to branch off into other things. And uh, this actually is a part of me doing that. This is actually a hybrid episode itself. It's, you know, it's it deals with music and uh movies at the same time and ll it being his birthday i felt what better time to do it since he's on this list he won't be the first person on this list but he is the third person on this list i'll be talking about and you know let's just jump right into it people uh the the fact that it's his birthday made my light bulb go off and it, it triggered me to really do this episode but i remember when i was outlining it i wanted to do something where we talked about where rappers turned into actors and you know whether whether it works or whether it doesn't because let's be real we've got we've got a slew of actors out there or rappers out there rather that think they can act and they can't man you i look at it like you either got it or you don't yeah there's acting coaches and you know you can take classes and stuff like that i that's all good and well man you know if i realized that I was a shit actor I would probably try to take some classes or hire a coach or something like that but eventually I would come to the conclusion that I just I just ain't got it and you know you got rappers out there that just don't got it yes I'm talking about you Lil Yachty for doing that corny ass how high to movie man and DC Young Fly shout out to him he was the only thing keeping that movie afloat but the movie's fucking terrible man I couldn't stand it but you got rappers out there that just should not be reading from any type of script you've got directors that should not just be thinking oh this guy is the hottest thing smoking uh you know in the industry right now let's get him in this movie in a leading role like nah man it doesn't always work like i said i I can't put it any more uh simple than what i just did you know you either got it or you don't so what i'm going to talk about here is you know when they got it and when they don't now it's it's going to vary, you know, I'm going to have some, you know, scattered opinions on things, but I promise y'all I'm going to try to make it make sense the best that I can. <clears throat> so 
without further ado, let's jump into number one. And if anybody knows me and knows me well, y'all know my number one, you know, rapper turned actor is going to be Tupac Shakur. Now, Pac, I don't know if people remember this or not. The first time we saw Tupac on the big screen was not Juice. Uh, Juice was 91, 92, if I'm not mistaken. Did commentary for that, too, if y'all want to check it out. But Tupac was actually uh, back when he was with Digital Underground. I don't know if anybody remembers the movie Nothing But Trouble. Uh, I think Dan Aykroyd directed it. He was also starring in it and like um, as the Judge Reeves, John Candy, Demi Moore, uh, Chevy Chase was in the movie. Tupac was in that movie when Humpty Hump and uh, Shock G and, 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 you know, everybody from the Digital Underground basically got pulled over and they got hauled into court and they performed, you know, all around the world, same song. And <laughs> Tupac is in that movie, man. If you can actually, I'm, I was about to say if you look close enough, but he's actually, he's very visible in that film, man. So that was actually the first time I saw Tupac. Uh, on screen for the first time, but we know Juice was Juice was that role that cemented him as an actor, and you know he did he did a lot of other things where he showed his versatility. He did Above the Rim where he still was a gangster, but you know he was he was more so on the friendly like manipulative side because he was pit, you know pitching off gifts to Kali Watts and Dwayne Martin's character and stuff like that. He he really was a ruthless motherfucker in that movie. But then he went on to do stuff like Poetic Justice where he could show the audience that you know I'm not just this. I'm not just Bishop and I'm not just Birdie from above the rim. You know, I can be a romantic lead as well alongside Janet Jackson. And he did amazing in that movie. But then, you know, he he was in Bullet with Mickey Rourke. He was in Gang Related with uh, Jim Belushi. Gridlock with Tim Roth did commentary for Gridlock, too, if y'all want to check it out. I feel like Tupac was he wasn't even at the peak of what he was about to be as an actor. And he was showing versatility. I think it's really fucked up that before Tupac passed away, um, not going to get into any conspiracy theories. Let's just say he passed away. Let's not make that a whole different episode. But I feel like it's fucked up before he passed away. He played a dirty cop. Like who knows where he could have expanded from there. I wonder how split, you know, his hardcore thug life fans uh, felt about him playing a dirty cop. I, I don't know. Now, a little fun fact about Tupac as far as his acting goes was that I think sometime after Poetic Justice, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I want to say Poetic Justice because that's when he worked with John Singleton. Tupac was actually, and I'll make this make sense in a second, Tupac was actually set to star in Baby Boy as Jody and Aaliyah was going to play Yvette. I'm not bullshitting y'all. That was go that was the original casting and John Singleton apparently had Baby Boy in the works for Tupac, uh, you know, very early on, long before it came out. And I want to say 2000, 2001 or so. Um, and, you know, I love that John Singleton did a Tupac tribute in that movie. There's that big ass mural painted on uh, Tyrese or spray painted on Tyrese's wall. And this is just a picture of Tupac kind of just looking at this. It's like almost like the fucking the male Mona Lisa of Tupac pictures because it's like it's following you wherever you go, you know, whichever way you turn while you're watching a movie and stuff like that. And if you listen to some of Tyrese's uh, line delivery, I don't know if he was trying to channel his inner Tupac or if John Singleton gave him some notes or so. I don't know what it was, but there are some parts in the movie where Tyrese almost tries to sound like Tupac and no diss to Tyrese. I'm just saying it sounds like he's imitating Pac where he's like, don't call my fucking house partner and all this other stuff. And we know that with partner was a big thing that um, Tupac delivered in juice as Bishop. But I think it would have been crazy, you know, uh, 
God rest his soul, John Singleton, man. He did a great job casting Tyrese and Taraji P. Henson. That was the first time I saw Taraji on screen, and I love her. She's one of my favorite black actresses. Um, but how crazy would it have been to see Tupac and Aaliyah and, you know, just in that in that role, man? It, it would have been absolutely insane. And another role, um, if we're talking about roles that Tupac was supposed to play back in the day, uh, Tupac was also supposed to play Sharif in Menace to Society. And I think the actor's name that they originally cast was Vonte Sweet. And he played, he ended up playing Sharif and, you know, Sharif gets shot at the end of the movie. And I think what had happened was, what had happened was Tupac had a falling out with uh, the Huge Brothers because, uh, you know, they direct them in society. I'm not sure what it was. There's like plenty of interviews and articles online if y'all want to check them out. I, I really can't tell y'all off the rip. But it would have been interesting to see him play someone who was, you know, Muslim and, you know, the he, he was all for nation. And he's like, listen, uh. You know, my my brother, we the tropical people and all this other stuff. I would have loved to see Pac just completely humble himself and not have any signs of any gangster, um, not even any signs of romance in, in a movie like Menace to Society. But, you know, they ended up casting, um, what's his name, Lorenz Tate instead. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. Now, here's the fucking kicker before we move on to uh, this final point and move on to the next rapper turn actor. I'm not kidding y'all, man. Y'all can look this up online and I don't know how much information is actually back in this, but this is supposed to be a fact that Tupac was also supposed to play Mace Windu in Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. <laughs> now, now listen, I know when y'all heard that just now, y'all probably like either what the fuck or get the fuck out of here. I don't know. Either or works for me. I don't blame y'all if y'all reacted because I reacted the same way. I'm like, Pac? in a fucking galaxy far far away that is just weird man i don't know what george lucas had up his sleeve or you know everybody that was involved in the in, in the pre-production i don't know but you know we know the the role uh, actually went to samuel jackson he played mace windu in the you know the the prequel trilogy but that would have been absolutely insane. Pac would have, he would have been getting that, you know, that intergalactic money. You know, he would have took it from the hood. He would have took it to the nation. He would have took it to uh, romance movies and, you know, dirty cop movies. Then he would have went to, you know, a, a Tatooine or whatever the hell that place is called in the Star Wars, you know, in the Star Wars uh, galaxy, man. I think that is one of the craziest bits of casting that Tupac almost was a part of in his career, man. But it just shows his versatility and the shit that he was actually willing to do and he was just willing to step outside the box because he really you know if i can just fanboy out for a second i feel like Pac was was not just a rapper or actor but just an artist and a revolutionary in general man the dude was just as like i always call these people larger than life he was uh larger than that actually and like i said he wasn't i don't even think he was at his peak yet and the way the world is today i can only imagine especially like with the way hollywood is today i would love to hear his uh you know his say so about cinema and black cinema and how far we've come or how far we haven't and stuff like that but the question we got to ask ourselves at the end of this you know talking about tupac being a rapper turned actor is does his acting work and my answer, in my personal opinion, I say absolutely, 100, 210%, 2000%, because I feel like Pac was, he was very passionate in his roles, man, and he made you believe damn near every line uh, that he delivered in the movie, whether he was being laid back, whether he was screaming, Pac had like this growl thing about him when he screams, for one, he did it a lot in Juice, um, he did it a, like a few times 
in poetic justice he did it in bullet when you know there's that scene with mickey rourke where they're in the they're in the diner and he's got the um you know he's got the knife to that little girl's neck while mickey rourke's got the gun drawn on him Pac just had this this crazy intensity about him man so i say his acting works 100 man i would have loved to see Pac in way more movies man and god rest his soul or you know god rest his rest and relaxation if he is still out there somewhere because i think he is but like i said we're not going to jump into that so moving on let's jump into number two of the rappers turn actors and number two of course is ice cube now ice cube boys in the hood was that role that now we know ice cube he was with nwa prior and um you know dr dre easy e we know the story we've seen straight out of compton for you know the people that didn't have a good grasp on some of the things that happened and i'm sure we've seen surviving compton to get michelle side of the story but we won't talk about either movie let's just focus on cube himself right now and the topic at hand but we know boys in the hood was that movie that again like i said with Pac and juice it cemented him it, it's a hood classic it's a hood drama it's probably one of the more heartfelt and informative um hood movies with a lot of relevant social commentary that still holds up today and you know he after that he worked with john singleton again in higher learning he was in friday which he had a behind the scenes hand in with uh you know f gary gray and dj Pooh. he's in anaconda three kings ghost of mars barbershop triple x2 where he actually became an action star i know a lot of people don't like tri the triple x series and they definitely don't like triple x2 i like it i like ice cube as a um I like Ice Cube as an action star, man. Plus, it was the same director as Die Another Day. And as wacky as that movie got, there's some really decent fucking scenes in that movie. And, you know, he played the captain in 21 Jump Street, etc., etc., etc. So, one of the things I admire about Ice Cube, um, uh, I'm actually going to talk about something that translates off screen for him. Like, uh, he's actually looking at the screen, but it's all, he's off the screen. I admire the fact that Ice Cube not only acts, but he writes produces and directs i love that about ice cube man and um you know he he started up that cube vision film company and i feel like he learned from the best which was john singleton and there's an interview i think where he you know i, I don't know if it was a breakfast club interview or not but there's definitely an interview where ice cube breaks it down as far as like his his motivation to start getting behind the scenes and shit and i think he said john singleton came up to him and he's like you know when are you gonna start writing and he's like, you know, I, I, I can't write like he, he just got him to act and he didn't really want to be an actor. And he's like, listen, if you can write a rhyme, you can write a movie. And Ice Cube didn't really want to. I, I think he didn't really want to be just stuck in a box and just be that guy who's going to play a gangster in every movie. Um, and he got the writing, man. And the guy is, you know, say what you will about his movies. But Ice Cube, whether it be, you know, First Sunday or Barbershop or uh, Are We There Yet? Whatever the case may be. Ice Cube has versatility behind the camera and in front of the camera, man. He really does, man. And this guy, you know, just to wear so many hats outside of acting. I know we're talking, we're trying to focus on acting, but if I could praise this guy's, you know, versatility for a second, just the hats he wears, man. You're doing so many things in one movie. You're producing a movie that you're starring in, that you co-wrote, that you might be like directing or something like that like he his, i think his directorial debut was the players club and he stars in that movie 
I can only imagine, you know, writing a story or a script is hard enough. I can only imagine co-writing something or writing something, directing it and starring in it. That's got to be so fucking troublesome, but it's got to build you up so much as a creative mind and just, you know, as an actor and a writer, a producer and a director, you know, all of those things in general. Now, does Ice Cube's acting work? I think Ice Cube's acting works just fine because Ice Cube, um, like the next person I'm about to jump into in this on this list, Ice Cube doesn't do, he don't do, he doesn't go overboard. I was about to say he don't do much, but he does not go overboard with the material he's given. Um, I feel like he gives you more than what's on the page, but I feel like if you get way more than what's expected out of Ice Cube, then it's always a treat because, you know, you look at movies like, I want to uh, single out Barbershop 3. To, um, I think it's called The Next Cut or something like that. I can't remember the subtitle for it. But Barbershop 3. There's a scene where they find out Calvin um, is... I think he's either selling the shop or he bought a shop uptown or something like that. It's some reveal where, you know, everybody gets mad and he's t he's talking about how he's trying to do better. He, You know, it's nothing here for him. Every, all the kids are killing each other and he's a father. He has to look out for his son and his wife and stuff like that. And it's a really intense scene because you get a lot out of Ice Cube, man. It's not it's not really a too overly emotional moment, but it is a moment where you can see how serious he is in, in, in this uh in this role and you get certain moments like that. I feel like more so in the more heartfelt black cinema movies, you don't really get that from Ice Cube and stuff like maybe Triple X or Ghost of Mars or Anaconda. And Ice Cube is one of those black actors, if I may add. You know, you hear me say Anaconda and Ghost of Mars. I think there's a clause in his contract where he says, I'm not dying in these movies. And shout out to him for being one of the black guys to survive more than one horror movie, man. That is a, that is a task to do. That is really a task to do. I actually did an episode on that too, if y'all want to check it out. When we, when we survived horror movies, and I also did another one when we didn't survive horror movies. But luckily, Ice Cube's on that list. Now, moving on to uh, number three. It's actually the birthday guy himself. Mr. L. Cool J. Now, L. Cool J, he's got TV credits and movie credits. So he's got the best of both worlds as far as like shows that are in syndication go, you know, not talking about just popping up here and popping up there. But he's got shows that are in syndication that had seasons and seasons on in. Uh, when I say shows, I'm talking about uh, in the house he was in with Debbie Allen. I think the one show he's got is called uh, God damn. I know I'm gonna piss a lot of people off and get this wrong. I don't want to say it's NCIS or it's one of those fucking shows. I think it's him and Chris O'Donnell. I'm not sure. But we know um, he's also one of those uh, black actors. Shout out to him for this because he is not dying in any horror movies either. This motherfucker has survived Halloween H2O. He survived Deep Blue Sea and Mindhunters. You know, you survived Michael Myers. You survived genetically enhanced sharks. And you survived a crazed serial killer who sets these Rube Goldberg traps up on an island. But we know Into Deep was the role where we saw... We saw a different side of LL Cool J, man, that we didn't see before. We we kind of, I, I know his name was God. His name's Dwayne God Giddens in the movie, and that's what they called him. But that motherfucker was, like, very devilish in that role, man. Any given Sunday, he was also in Deliver Us From Evil, where he was more, you know, soft-sided, and he was a romantic lead along with Gabrielle Union. He's also in SWAT, like I said. I just watched SWAT the other night, and he was decent in that. I think his name was De Deacon K in that movie. But he's been in a whole bunch of other shit. But one of the things I want to really credit, like I said, 
um, L. Cool J on is his TV credits really, really gave him a chance to develop uh, uh, layers to his acting because you can, this is what you can do. You can put a rapper continuously in movies time after time after time and they can just be one note. They can give you the same shit over and over and over because that's all the script calls for. But I feel like you could put a rapper turned actor in a TV show like they did with L. Cool J and this, their seasons on end, there's so many different episodes which call for so many different emotions. It gives you a chance to, like I said, develop your layers, man. It gives you a chance to, you can have your gangster moments here. You can have your romantic moments here. You can have your, uh, you know, you can have your in, in, in intense moments here. You can have your passionate moments here. And that's something that LL really, I, I feel like the TV credits really assisted him and not to say he was a bad actor prior to being in tv shows and shit like that but i feel like it helped his his intensity go up i feel like it helped his charisma go up and i feel like it ll's got this g'd up charm man and if i can go back to into deep really quick when i say g'd up charm it's like this motherfucker will feed turkeys to the homeless and knock you the fuck out for not holding a heavy bag and like in, within two scenes apart from each other like that dude he was doing one thing here and then he was just being such a like he was becoming best friends with Omar Epps. And, you know, he 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 would tell Omar Epps, like, listen, man, you my man, hundred grand, dog. You know, I'm always be there for you, dog. But then it's like he would yo, come down to the basement. I want to show you something. And he shoves a pool stick up somebody's ass. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like he's at his baby's christening Elk or uh, Omar Epps comes in and he tells Omar Epps at his baby's christening in the Lord's house in the church. He tells him like, listen, those two, those two cats you ran into, man. He was like, yo, he was like, it ain't Ozzy and Gash. He was like, they, they over and done with, man. He said that one dude wasn't good without his dick. No way. Finito. And I'm just like, yo, like you're at a fucking church at your baby's christening, telling your, what are your right hand man's, your new right hand man's that, you know what I'm saying? Like that you disposed of the guy that you sent to kill him. It's, it's insane, man. And, you know, I say that to say this. Or I say that to ask this, uh, does his acting work? Absolutely, man. L. Cool J is one of the most likable rapper actors um, that we've seen on screen, man. And the fact that he can, you know, the fact that a movie like me, a, a self-proclaimed Halloween fanatic, the fact that he didn't go overboard, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say no names. We'll get to that in a second. Because if y'all, if I'm talking about Halloween and rappers turn actors, y'all know where I'm going with that comment. But we'll get to it in a second. Don't even worry about it. We're going to get there. But for him to be in a Halloween film and not only survive, but not overdo it and not just be that token black guy. That's awesome, man. And I, f I feel like that's one of the reasons Michael Myers didn't kill his ass because he's like, listen, man, you're kind of like unknowing right now and you're not doing too much. So to kill you with, you know, I'm not going to get no cool points for that. You know what I'm saying? So I think LL's acting works on screen. It does. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, <clears throat> Jesus, I should have brought my ice water. Um, number four this is actually a rapper that's in my top five dead or alive i don't want to talk about like musical top fives and top tens and shit but i just had to put that out there but number four is my man's ludicrous now ludicrous has been in ludicrous has come a long way i will say that but the movies that ludicrous has been in are i'm not going to say they're hole in the wall but <laughs> they're movies that i wouldn't expect that you wouldn't expect to see ludicrous in you know if you would have looked back in the early 2000s when he came out with back for the first time you know a southern hospitality wish your fantasy use a hoe and all that type of stuff like 
if you would have told me Ludacris would have been in fucking Fast and Furious 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, I would have been like, get the fuck out of here, man. That, I wouldn't even have known they were going to make that many movies. But if you would have told me he was going to be a part of that series, I wouldn't have believed it. You know what I'm saying? But I think the first movie I saw Ludacris in was The Wash. And he only had a cameo where... <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name, but he was uh, he was in that he was in three strikes and he was in Leprechaun in the Hood. He's he spraying Windex on Ludacris's rims and Ludacris gets a you know, Dr. Dre tears up his free car wash ticket and throws it in his face. It's supposed to be a funny scene. It's decent. But that was the first time I think I saw him. Then you see him in Too Fast, Too Furious, where he plays Tej. And, um, <clears throat> you know, they brought him back for Fast Five, Fast Six, Fast Seven. Uh, Fast 8, aka Faded the Furious, and he's coming back for Fast 9, they've already confirmed 10 and 11, so, you know, he's a part of that, he, he good, he good, him and his, him and his wife and his kids, 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 good, but then I like that Ludacris could switch off from being that likable tech guy or just something like that to doing something like, I, I, I know it was prior to a bunch of Fast and Furious sequels, but when he was in Hustle and Flow, God damn, man, if he wasn't a piece of shit as skinny black in that movie, man, he was just downright dirty. Just one of the grimiest motherfuckers. And you, there's so many artists like that. And I like that he played that role because, you know, you had somebody that you could dislike more than, uh, uh, um, you know, an aggressive pimp in the movie, because I know a lot of people who don't like hustle and flow because Terrence Howard is basically a pimp. You know, he, he, he's, a, he's a pimp, a drug dealing pimp, but you had somebody you can root against more than Terrence Howard in that fucking movie. He also was in crash. I feel like that's one of, um, I feel like while the line delivery could have been a lot better, I feel like ludicrous role in crash is one of my favorite roles he's ever been in because the shit that he's talking in that movie, man, while Lorenz Tate is not trying to hear it, and while it may come across to a lot of people as racist, I can understand how people can, uh, it, it could be a misconception. He is spitting some real shit in that movie, man. I, I forgot the writer. I should have wrote it down, but whoever wrote the lines for his character, I can't remember his character's name. And he has this great character arc at the end where, you know, he's talking about how much money he can make off the off the stolen van with the with the you know, with the refugees in the back of it. And he ends up letting all of them go. You know, what I'm saying at the end of the movie, that movie, that was an amazing movie on top of that. But that's one of my favorite fucking roles from Ludacris ever. Now, if we're talking about favorites, one of my least favorites. I can't even stand this goddamn movie. Max Payne. Uh, I did not buy him as the detective in Max Payne. I didn't like the movie overall. Maybe if I go back on it, I can try to appreciate his role. If anything, maybe he'll be the saving grace, but I doubt it because I just, you know, no diss to Luda, but I just didn't like anything about the movie Max Payne. I didn't feel like it was almost like <clears throat> like something out of a Dick Tracy movie. I, I just think he was kind of miscast in that role. Gamer, I did not see um him in with gerard butler i'm not that big of a gerard butler fan john henry where he played the villain with that fucked up uh metal jaw that was a very that was a really strange movie man and i i don't i really didn't get it i feel like the movie watched me more than anything but um if i can get onto something more positive i don't want to just talk about how his roles uh and his performances just vary in quality for me i don't want to focus on anything bad right now uh, per se, because actually I like Ludo on screen and I don't mind seeing him on screen. He's actually growing as an actor, to be completely honest. But um, Ludo was actually cast in Too Fast, Too Furious. I think this was 2003 uh, after Ja Rule refused to come back. And this was yet again, uh, you know, like I said, in the sense of something like 
Tupac Shakur and Ice Cube. This is another power move by God rest his soul, John Singleton, man. It was something about John Singleton casting these rappers where he saw something in these guys where he knew that they were able to play certain characters, man. And shout out to Ja Rule for turning it down, man, because, uh, you know, I'm glad to see Luda with a reoccurring role. Tej is one of my favorite characters in the movie because they don't just make him you know, um, the, again, the token black guy, he's, you know, he's the tech guy. He's smarter than the, he's smarter than everybody in the team for real, for real. The only person that's either more smart than he is or equally as smart as he is, is Ramsey, you know, Natalie Emanuel's character. But I love that they give him a lot of shit to do. And I love that he isn't afraid outside of his likable roles. He isn't afraid to play a slime ball or a controversial ass character. So with that said, does his acting work? I think Ludacris's acting works. However, and this is no diss to him, I want to say that I feel like I want to see that one role where, you know, um, I want a role that's better than Crash. And I say Crash because Crash is, like I said, that's, that is, you know, I want to say Fast and Furious because I'm biased and that's my, act, my favorite action series. But if I'm talking about overall performance, you know, um, shit that really moves me. Crash is up there. Crash, his role in Crash set the bar high, so I want to see something better than that. I want that role that's really going to move me to say, you know what? Luda not only has come a long way, but that motherfucker is like, you really should be afraid of him as an actor on screen because his growth is something crazy. I want that role from him. Do, I do think his acting works, though, um, overall. But let's move on, people. Let's move on. <clears throat> I don't want to take up too much time, man. We're already almost 30 minutes into this thing. But uh, number five is Most Death. I would have said his real name just to throw everybody off. Oh, his real name is Yasin Bey, I think. But Most Death. Now, either way, Most Death is that boy, man. I can't even put Most Death in a top five or top ten anything because I feel like he deserves so much better, man. The guy's an alien as far as his lyrics go. Now, we know Most Death was in uh, the first movie I think I saw him in was Bamboozled. And my seventh grade teacher made us watch that back in the day. She made us watch a lot of uh, consciously aware, social commentary, black cinema type of films. And I think that was a Spike Lee joint, if I'm not mistaken. Bamboozle was a really heavy flick, man. And most Def played, I think he played Jada Pinkett's brother. He was like the Black Panther revolutionary type of guy. He was in Carmen, the hip hopper. I don't know how many people remember that. He played the dirty detective. That, that was a... I think it went straight to MTV with Beyonce, Mackay, Pfeiffer, Fred Williamson, Bow Wow was in it. Yo, and I didn't even know Most Def was in Monsters Ball. If you would have told me that, you know, I think I mentioned Monsters Ball the other day. And listen, I, I I only watched that movie back in the day for one reason and one reason only. We ain't going to talk about it because y'all know what I'm talking about. But uh, he also was in Brown Sugar where he, you know, he kind of had the hots for Queen Latifah. That, I loved that scene. I loved when he was like trying to flirt with her and didn't know what to say. He's kind of like bumbling over his words and stuff. He was in an Italian job where he was he was kind of like the tech guy, but he used to play with like explosives and stuff like that. And if, if you know, he called him lefty, it fucked up his left ear. 16 Blocks with Bruce Willis. He was in Be Kind Rewind, which is one of my favorite movie. It's one of my favorite bottle films ever made, man. He actually had a... um. He had a little romantic love interest in uh in, in Be Kind Rewind, too. I think the girl's name is Melanie Diaz, the one that was in Fruitvale Station. And he's in Next Day Air, etc., etc. Now, one of the things I appreciate about Mos Def's acting on screen is that Mos Def can be versatile. He can be versatile in some ways. He's got this, he's got this really strange knack to his acting that works. And um when I say strange, I think of roles like 16 blocks. Uh, I think he was he had some type of handicap and he put on some type of accent specifically for that role. 
excuse me, and I think of roles like Be Kind Rewind, where he's just kind of, he's kind of goofy, he's kind of nerdy, man, but he's, he's a likable guy, and I like that he can also, like I said in Carmen, he's a dirty cop. You know, he shoots Carmen at the end and he's ready to kill Mackay Pfeiffer. He's very manipulative in that movie and he's just really shysty as fuck. And Bamboozle, when he plays the Black Panther revolutionary, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, people. You know, y'all y'all can send in DMs and instant messages if y'all want. If I'm wrong about something, I want to say he was a Black Panther. <coughs> Excuse me, but <coughs> he was... You know, he was ruthless in that movie. They murdered that guy in cold blood when they were making him tap dance at the end of the movie. And I think they all got shot up at the end of that movie. So, like I said, his versatility works. But I love that his range is his range is strange, man. So with that being said, does most deaths acting work? I think it works. Uh, I, You know, I'm a self-proclaimed weird person myself. And I feel like I can relate to some of his style of acting man because it's like if i was an actor cool i'll take on the goofy nerdy role i'll take on the reserved role where i don't <clears throat> you know where in brown sugar brown sugar he's a rapper who's very confident in himself to to the point where he doesn't sign with no major labels because he trusts himself that much but he, he can't do something as simple as talk to a, a, a beautiful woman like queen latifah you know what i'm saying and i would love to to just have strange reigns like that so it's acting his acting does work. Uh, most Def, like Ludacris, is one of those actors where I do want to see that role from him where it's just like, like, damn, dog, like, you really... But the, another thing about Most Def is that he's funny. He's underrated funny as shit. When he was in Next Day Air, he's got a few funny moments in there that had me rolling. But his acting, you know, uh, I say that to say this, his acting does work overall. Now, let's jump into... We about to get into... I'm not going to say dangerous territory, but we about to get into a little different territory right now, people. And again, this is my just my personal opinions. I don't want nobody attacking me. I damn sure don't want these rappers hearing this. And I'm, I don't think I'm tagging any of these rappers except L Cool J to this uh, because it's his birthday. But you know, I, these are just my opinions, man, on these these people and whether they can act or should act or not. You know, and I'll make it make sense at the very end of the episode. Whew, man, number six. This is going to hurt me, man. It's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt y'all to hear it. Number six is Busta Rhymes, people. Now, we know who Busta Rhymes is. He he, the one that, you know, that got you all in check. And, you know, he, he put your hands where his eyes could see and all that shit like that. We know Busta is a walking banger, kind of like L. Cool J. He's a walking banger. I can't put Busta in a top five or a top ten because he's just on another planet. Busta just dropped an album that's fucking bananas. It's Aples and bananas. It's crazy. But Busta at some point decided he wanted to be an actor. Cool. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with people branching off and seeing if it works or not. Busta was in um, a movie called Strapped. Uh, he was in Higher Learning. That was the first movie I saw, man. And that fight scene where he where he does that, he does like a war cry. You know, he screams at the top of his lungs and he he signals the crew like, listen, let's get it popping. Let's whoop these skinheads asses. I love that fucking scene. Busta's one of the best parts of that whole entire scene because he's screaming like he's doing ad libs on wax. Um, he was also in Shaft with Samuel Jackson, not that shitty ass last movie Shaft with Jesse T. Usher and Samuel Jackson, where you can see the glue in Samuel Jackson's fucking beard. But he was in the 2000 Shaft that's kind of underrated another John Singleton move, man. John Singleton directed Shaft and Higher Learning. God rest John Singleton's soul, man. I can't, I think, I, I don't know how many times I'm going to say that in this uh, episode, man, but 
again, him casting these rappers, he knows what he's doing sometimes. But, you know, he was in Shaft with Christian Bell and uh, Jeffrey Wright and uh, Dan Hedaya. Makai Pfeiffer was in that movie. It was a really underrated cast. And we know the greatest movie of all time, Buster Rhymes, was in, right? Halloween Resurrection, people. The eighth entry in the Halloween movie series. Ooh, we're, not, we're not even going to talk about it because y'all already know that's going to get my blood boiling and I might not finish the episode. But let me say something good about Buster Rhymes acting is that uh, Buster Rhymes has explosive energy on screen, man. Um, he can go from zero to 100 in in a second, you know, and you need that sometimes you need like a tension breaker type of character on screen because sometimes things might be a little melancholy and things might just be, you know, oh, like Debbie Downer type shit. And you need Buster Rhymes to maybe crack a joke or just scream at the top of his lungs or just yell at somebody unintentionally or something like that. And Buster Rhymes can be pretty funny on screen. And a lot of the times it's unintentional comedy. You know, there's a lot of moments when Buster Rhymes is not trying to be funny on screen and I'm laughing because I, I don't know. It's just weird. I'm like, yo, it's it's Buster Rhymes, man. And I'm gonna wrap this up very fast. Like, it's, I'm not wrapping up the episode, but this right here, I'm gonna wrap it up. Does his acting work <sighs> for me? I feel like not all the time. I have to be completely honest. And one of the biggest takeaways from that, I know I'm being unfair right now because y'all know where I'm going with this. Anybody that knows me and has been keeping up with this podcast, y'all know where I'm going with this. And I say I'm being unfair because I let that one movie roll fuck up my entire view on Buster Rhymes' acting career. And I'm not saying that I've completely disliked him and everything, but... When he was in Halloween Resurrection, man, that is unforgiving in every sense of the word. Now, let's go back to, you know, I'm not just harping because it's LL's birthday. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not being a fanboy right now, but I'm just saying he did exactly what he was supposed to do on screen. He gave you a little more than what was on the page and he didn't go overboard. Buster Rhymes, however, did a lot of improv. There were a lot of rewrites for Buster Rhymes. There were a lot of reshoots to incorporate Buster Rhymes' character so that he didn't die. Um... <clears throat> I, you know, I'm not saying he can't act overall. I'm just saying that it doesn't always work for me. I liked him in Higher Learning. I liked him in Shaft. I just feel like he should stick to his guns, you know, stay out of horror movies, stay out of, uh, you know, he does straight to DVD action movies. There was something by the guy who did Smoke and Aces. He did. I think it was called, I can't remember what it was called, but I do know the director from Smoke and Aces directed Busta Rhymes in a, you know, straight to DVD action movie. Uh, God damn it. I can't remember what the name of that movie's called. But, um, you know, it's, it's hit or miss with Busta Rhymes, man. And that's not to say that he can't, you know, he can't do it. I'm just saying it's, it's just very hit or miss, man. So I feel like he has to, he has to tread lightly with the roles that he accepts, basically, the, the ones he commits to. And you have to tread lightly with how much you bring to it and just don't, you know, overdo it, you know, like you did in, in Halloween Resurrection. We're not going to talk about that anymore. Now, Again, we're into some different territory right now because number seven on my list and it's all coming full circle. People see how the universe works, man, because I just mentioned Smoking Aces and my number seven on my list is Smoking Aces star Common. Now, Common, Common, we know his rapping. Common is um, 
another rapper I don't put in a top. All these rappers, I don't put them in a top anything, man, because they're just, I, I just have a different level of lyrical respect for them. And Common as a conscious rapper, man, that dude, I, I need to download a shit ton of Common in my playlist right now. He just dropped an album that was super fire. It's not a lot of tracks on it, but it's crazy fire, man. Y'all should check it out. I forgot the title of it, but it's on YouTube or anywhere streaming, but y'all should definitely check that album out. Now, Common... I can't remember if Smoke and Aces was the first movie I saw him in, but it's definitely one of my favorites where he played uh, Ivory. He was also in American Gangster where he played one of Frank Lucas's brothers. He was in Street Kings. He was in Wanted, Terminator 4, Date Night, Just Right, Now You See Me, which I actually forgot he was in. I actually need to go back and watch those those uh, Now You See Me, those two movies. He's in Barbershop 3, Run All Night, John Wick 2. Now, this is the thing with those movies that y'all noticed I mentioned. This is one thing I can never take away from Common. Common can play the hell out of a cold assassin or a gangster. That motherfucker, when he's when he's playing a gangster or an assassin, when he stares dead at somebody like he's about to murder them in cold blood, you feel it, man. And you want to like look around you to make sure he's not like in the same room as you. I low key looked out the corner of my eyes just now just to make sure this motherfucker didn't have that. You know, in that movie Run All Night, he's got that green like um, night vision scope on one of his eyes and shit. What, you know, he played an assassin. In Smoking Aces, but he's super laid back with it. Ivory is super laid back in that movie. But the scene where he's about to kill Jeremy Piven and he's giving him that long ass monologue about, you know, you're not going to flag me off like a field nigga and all this other shit. Like, and he's just slowly pulling out the gun before, you know, before uh, uh, Buddy Aces throws the card in his eye. Common's a goon in that movie, man, but he's so laid back with it and he gets away with that, man. Same thing with Street Kings where um, him and his homie, I can't remember the other actor's name, where Keanu Reeves and Chris Evans go to see these guys that they think are Fremont and Coates. I'm actually going to do a review for Street Kings eventually. Y'all can look out for that. But, you know, Common's looking at him and he's like, that was you in the market, right? You had to get some sorry ass get back for that cop, Detective Ludlow. And Anytime Common stops to give you dialogue, like, you know he's about to wreck shit, man. And he's got that in him. I didn't even mention uh, he was in Suicide Squad. And I was so disappointed that they just gave him the shaft and killed him in that one scene. Because he had all the tattoos in his face. And I thought he was really going to have, like, a central role in that movie. But Joker just shot him in the fucking head. I don't even know if that was in the original script. But I love Common as a villain, man. Um, run all night. Like I said, he, he's, he's basically the black Terminator. He's got that fucking, that one, you know, that one, uh, <laughs> that high tech monocle that sees in the dark, you know, while he's hunting down Liam Neeson and Joel Kinnaman. I love him in that movie. He's really intimidating. John Wick too. He's awesome in that movie, man. Uh, because he's just emotionless. He is in, he is a straight up assassin. You would think that, you know, this was really somebody that they got off the street. Like, you would think this was a rapper who was in the streets murdering motherfuckers. And they was like, listen, come on in John Wick 2, dog. Like, and he was just like, all right. And they said, listen, just be yourself. And I can't remember his name in John Wick 2, but when he's playing an assassin, he's got it down packed, man. Um, shout out to the game. But I, I feel like with Common, the, the, the downside of the acting part is when he tries to, like, display comedy or you know serious romantic moments it, it it doesn't always work for me and a lot of excitement moments 
when he displays them doesn't really work. Like there's a scene in Barbershop three where, you know, Nicki Minaj's character is kind of hitting on him. And then she tries to hit him with the okie doke. Like she wasn't trying to throw him some, some booty. And she's like, yeah, just because I'm thick doesn't mean I don't have a soul. Rashad. And then she fucking, she fucking walks up the steps and he stares at her ass and he does close up shot of her ass. And then he's in the car, like at war with himself because he almost, took the bait but he's a married man and then he's you know he's in the car talking to himself he's like nah man because she she wanted it man i think she wanted it she she wanted it right she was looking at me and she started licking the lips and i'm just like oh god like no this is not it's not working bruh it is not I, th at least that part didn't work for me man and, and I, not to say that i didn't like his character rashad in barbershop 3 because he was a really wholesome guy man he you know he just wanted to spend some time with his girl he wanted to take care of his son make sure his son was doing right and shit like that um, I like his character, but just the comedic moments, I'm just like, uh-uh, mm-mm. And there's a scene in Terminator Salvation where, you know, him and John Connor are testing out some type of bomb or some type of machine, something to go against Skynet. And he's like, it works. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. And I'm just like, fuck me running, man. Damn. I, and that's not to say, you know, it's not to say that his acting doesn't work overall. It's just that I, I want... I want Common to just like elevate, man. I want him to have again. I want him to have that role, that breakout role where it's like, yo, okay, Com, I'm looking forward to you, you know, your next film. Uh, I want Common in like a role where he has to carry a film. I like him that much just as a human being. I'm talking like I know this motherfucker, but it's like I like him that much as a human being that I want I want him to get a role forced on him, not uh, in a, in the sense that he doesn't want to do it, but in a sense like, yo, this is the role you were born to do. You need to carry this film on your shoulders. Everybody else is going to act around you. They're going to act around you. You are holding this shit down right here. I feel like he needs that type of pressure put on him as far as um his acting career. So it's hit or miss with his acting career. Now, speaking of hit or miss, now I told you we're getting into some different territory. We almost about to wrap it up because I got one more and then a couple mentions after this, people. I'm not going to take up too much of y'all time. Uh, number eight, 50 Cent. Mr. Curtis Jackson himself. 50 Cent is one of those rappers that, you know, I, I was a Ja Rule guy growing up. You know, Vinny Vetti Vici was one of my favorite albums, Ja Rule's first album. But 50 Cent came on the scene, and I always found it funny how 50 Cent destroyed Ja Rule's career. This is the only career I've really ever seen destroyed the way it was. He destroyed Ja Rule's career by making fun of him for singing on every hook on every song and lo and behold 50 had shit on smash mainstream mixtape album uh by doing a lot of singing on every hook and every song i never understood the bias motherfuckers had for this never understood it now as far as the the, the lyrics go 50 is not the most lyrical person in the world but he understands song making and i respect it and i respect his hustle as an entrepreneur as a businessman all of that shit he understands man and even if he's not <clears throat> excuse me even if he's not in front of the camera he is very much behind the camera and i respect that as well man like i said about um you know ice cube he's versatile wearing different hats you know writing directing producing and on top of acting now 
Get Rich or Die Trying is a movie I saw 50 Cent in, and I actually was, I'm not even going to lie to y'all, man. Uh, I'm going to say what I'm going to say here, but Get Rich or Die Trying, I was I was very impressed with that movie. That movie is better. We know it's loosely, <clears throat> it's loosely based on 50's life story, you know, getting shot nine times and his mother dying and stuff like that. We, we get it's loosely based, but he had to kind of play it safe because I guess he had an image to uphold. I don't know what the science was behind that, but... I was impressed, man. His acting, it's not a its not a very stellar performance, but I think the way 50 carried the movie is amazing. I think the actors he had around him and his interaction with those actors was amazing. I think the directing, the writing is amazing. The way they told the story from start to finish was great. It's one of 50's best. It's actually 50 Cent's the best movie he's ever been in, hands down. I don't give a shit what TV show he does. I'm not going to say I don't give a shit, but in my opinion, it's like, I don't care what movie you come out with or anything. It's got to be better than Get Rich or Die Trying. That's the epitome of his acting career as far as I'm concerned. He was also in Righteous Kill <clears throat> with uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I think he played his character named Spider. I'm not sure, but I, that was a movie that kind of blew past me. It wasn't as good as people hyped it up to be. Because I know the hype was crazy for Pacino and De Niro to be in something. But the movie was just kind of lackluster. And 50 didn't really have... Like, his role was kind of non-existent for me. And I think he gets killed in it. Um, he was in Before I Self-Destruct, but that was one of those straight-to-DVD hood movies that, like, the production quality wasn't all of that wasn't all that good, so it kind of took me out of the film. And, I, you know, I'm not bougie, man. Like, I, I grew up on bootleg movies with, you know, watching it with the fucking audience laugh track in the background. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not bougie when it comes to picture quality and production quality, but it's one of those movies where it seemed like if I scrolled long enough, I would catch it on Tubi or something like that, and it just didn't grab me. It's, it's, it's gritty, though. I'll give it that. <clears throat> and 50 was an escape plan still haven't seen it with uh arnold schwarzenegger and sylvester stallone apparently he was like on his tej ludicrous shit he was like a computer genius or something like that uh den of thieves was a decent movie 50 was in but he wasn't the central character um he did have a really sad scene at the end of it where the guy the black guy 50's dying and the black guy comes over top of him and he tells him like you know you're in god's hands now or something like that it was really fucked up and supposedly 50 supposed to be coming back for Den of Thieves 2. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, him and O'Shea Jackson are... I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with that movie. And we know he's in power. Uh, he plays Kanan in power. And we know he... You know, after power was over and his character was long gone, they fucking announced 17 million spinoffs for power. I'm cool off the show. But um, I do admire... Uh, 50s respect for the craft as far as filmmaking goes all around like as far as acting goes and filmmaking behind the scenes and in front of in front of the camera 50 understands man I don't know who gave him his guidance on film but he understands storytelling he understands uh good writing uh he he under he understands a uh, good good performances he just understands the 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 puzzle pieces for for some reason this guy he understands the puzzle pieces you have to put together to create something something really decent man and and i, I will forever respect 50 for that man you cannot take him take that away from him. his cinema savvy is is really on point man and <clears throat> you know not the sh i know we're talking about rappers turned actors but you know, when I say his cinema savvy, man, I, I can't stress this enough. With the shit that the guy does behind the scenes, you know, it, it just it translates into the fact that he's a he's a businessman, yo. He's not gonna stop at one thing. And it's very rare for 
a gangster rapper to have that type of behind the scenes savvy man like he doesn't always have to be on camera he didn't have to be on screen with power he was like the creator or producer of that show but he still chose to have a character that people still liked and people wanted to see and actually people were you know ultimately sad to see Kanan gone which in turn we got a raising Kanan spinoff which is like I said the one of a thousand trillion spinoffs for power that they came out with now I say that to ask this does his acting work it's another one of those cases um where sometimes it does but i can honestly say i've never hated 50 cent in any movie role he's been in i've never like been like i don't ever want to watch this movie again i don't ever want to see him act again or been like i really don't think he should act again i've never th there's a certain there's a certain charm he can he can put on, man, especially with something like like a get rich or die trying where <clears throat> he's almost got like this. <clears throat> excuse me. Damn. He's almost got like this. Uh, He's got like this shy, like still boyish quality about him when he meets Bill Duke's character. And, you know, they're in a cemetery and he's like and um the i can't never pronounce that guy's name but he's the one that's with bill duke in the cemetery he plays killer croc and he's in oz and he's in the mummy returns and he's like this here katrina's son and he's just like mrs Cavill, you what do you say what's his name leave Le Cahill. he's like mr Cahill, you're, you're like a god to me man and it's just like he's kind of like looking up he can't really like look him in the face because the sun's in his eye and he's just like like he's it's almost like he's getting sunned by bill duke in that scene man and i love it because 50's not afraid to be vulnerable on screen i like that like you know you feel bad for him when he gets shot nine times and get rich or die trying and he's not just a straight up gangster in that entire movie and um I feel like 50 has a lot of room to grow uh, as far as his versatility goes on screen. He has a lot of room to go. He's He's got a, you know, I don't know how old 50 is, but he's got a long acting career ahead of him. But I feel like I feel like he's going to stay behind the scenes more because he sees there's actually a show 50s behind. Uh, I think it's on ABC called For Life. But I feel like he sees the feedback from when he's on screen as opposed to when he's behind the camera. And. I don't know. Maybe I think it's a lot more money behind the camera for some reason. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe I'll do my research and not just talk my shit. But I think his acting varies. But, you know, I I, I don't want to not see 50 in anything again, because like I said, I've never hated him in any role that he was in. Whew. Number nine. Oh, I'm sorry. I said we had one more. We actually have two more and then a couple notes before we wrap it up. But number nine, people. Um, DMX. Because we got we to wrap this shit up, man. We almost an hour into this thing. DMX. DMX. Now, we know. Uh, you know, I said I was a Ja Rule fan back in the day. I know we just talked about 50 Cent, but I was DMX over Ja Rule because that was the thing back in the day. Um, it's Dark and Hell is Hot. It's one of my favorite albums. DMX was a junkyard dog, man. And he is the dog for a good goddamn reason. I'm glad to see DMX still alive and breathing. And he overcame the hurdles and the trials and tribulations that he was going through in his life, man. I was glad to see that he was doing well, doing better. It's awesome to see, man, because DMX is a staple in hip hop. Whether, you know, people could say what they want to say, call him washed up. I, I wouldn't even say all that. Um, he will forever be a legend and a staple in hip hop, man, in, in the hip hop community. But uh, Belly, uh, I want to say Belly was his first role. And uh, then he was in Romeo Must Die, Exit Wounds, Cradle to the Grave, Never Die Alone. Uh, he was in this movie called Fast and Fierce Death Race. 
I don't want to watch that movie because Double Toasted, shout out to them, did a, a movie review for that, and they are plagiarizing Fast and Furious in that movie. So I don't think I want to watch it. No, just a DMX, but I ain't going to watch it. Now, as far as his roles go, uh, I would say DMX's favorite role that I've seen him in is probably Belly because he was just a stone-cold goon in that movie. I think his name was, uh, uh, was, was it Tommy? Yeah, Tommy. And um, I, I, I just, he was just, he didn't have no off switch in that movie. You know, he's talking to Nas on the phone. Nas got a wife and a newborn. He's like, yo, I'm going to start honking the motherfucking horn in a minute if you don't come outside. It's like, dog, like I'm in the crib with my fit. Like he has no fucking off switch. He was killing people for ox. You know, he had the dreads on his head and he's like, I need change for a dollar, please. And he's acting like he's washing windows and he just hits him up with the fucking, like, yo, DMX and Belly, uh, hands down, even though the more, the older I get, the more I realize Belly is a long ass music video. It's not a movie. It's a long ass music video that has, you know, skits in between it. But, uh, I'll never take away from what Hype Williams did with that movie. It's, it's, it was a, uh, you know, it was a monumental film when it came out. Still holds up pretty well. <clears throat> I could still watch it, but it is a long ass you know, music video. I've seen, you know, I, I, it, Belly is, I'm sorry, it's not in my top five hood movies, uh, surprisingly, but it is a decent ass hood movie. It's very memorable. Um, but this is the thing about DMX, man. He can be like common. He could be a stone cold goon on screen, man. Like I said, Belly, um, Romeo must die. I was a little disappointed because they didn't give him shit to do. He had like two scenes in the movie in the beginning where he's got that big ass automatic rifle and he's like, guns don't kill people. People kill people. And he's like, this message has been brought to you in part by Scruff McGruff. Like, it's like this motherfucker was doing a PSA for like an afternoon uh, Saturday special Saturday afternoon special or something on like, you know, just don't play with guns and don't do drugs type shit. I wasn't feeling that. Then the second scene, I think they had him in. Uh, Isaiah Washington shot him. You know, he's like, I ain't signing no fucking contracts or whatever he said while Leah and Jet Lee was in the room and he just got shot and that was it. And I'm thinking he was going to have way more of a role in that movie because they, they hyped him up so much, man. You had like this martial arts mixed with black cinema mixed with hip hop thing with Romeo Must Die. It was a groundbreaking film, man. And you didn't do anything with DMX. Now, Exit Wounds is a different story. Uh, Exit Wounds, I think, is the one, same director as Romeo Must Die, uh, Andres Bartwak, I can't never pronounce his name. Same director as Doom and stuff and stuff like that, but Exit Wounds, I think, is the one with Steven Seagal. Ooh, that shit is a task to get through, people. That movie is terrible. The cat, now, there's one thing about this director I admire. I admire his multicultural casting. I love his multicultural casting multicultural casting you have blacks in there you have whites in there you have Thai in there you have Japanese you have you have all types of ethnicities in this movie I love that you're bringing people together I admire it same thing he did with DMX and Cradle to the Grave you've got DMX you've got uh I think Jet Li was back into the mix you've got Mark DeCoscos who's one of the most underrated martial artists of all times from Only the Strong and John Wick 3 you've got fucking Drag On and Gabrielle Union and Tom Arnold and Anthony like it's a, it's a it's an amazing movie I think Kelly Hu uh who played Deathstrike in X2 and she was also in Jason Takes Manhattan was in um Cradle to the Grave but again uh DMX's role in that movie, man, he's like, you know, I remember the scene where he gives that black diamond to his daughter and he, he puts it on. He's like, a diamond? 
for my diamond. Go to sleep, my diamond. And it's just like, oh, it's like my fucking goodness, man. Some of the acting is just cringeworthy, man. I can't always deal with it. Never Die Alone. I can't really remember his role in that. I just remember David Arquette was in it. And um, DMX had Kelly Gomez. What was her name? Kelly or Reagan Gomez Preston. He had her strung out on drugs and shit in that movie. I don't But um, he can be a goon on screen. But I feel like as far as like emoting and just acting like actual acting i'm sorry man and this is no diss to the dog but x ain't got it as far as acting man so i say that to say this or i say that to ask this does his acting work i don't think so man i dmx is one of those characters where i just say or one of those uh, rapper turn actors where i just say a flat out no man I, I just don't think he has it and i don't know if this director from romeo must die exit wounds and cradle to the grave same director like i said uh, i don't know if he gassed him up to be an action star but no nah, man I, I i i can't buy it i can't buy the backflips and the cartwheels in the alleyway with steven seagal and all that shit you know driving fucking four-wheelers through um through, through glass windows and shit to go into the other build I, I i cannot i can't deal with it man I can't deal with it, and you know we're all we're about to be an hour into this, so I'm really about to wrap this shit up, people. Now, number ten, which will be the last one before I jump into my uh my my final notes, my final thoughts on my Jerry Springer shit. Andre three thousand is my number ten, people. Now, Andre three thousand, we know he was one half of Outkast back in the day, uh, until he branched off and did his own thing. They actually came out with their, you know, they came out with solo albums, but it was a joint Outkast album, Speaker Box and The Love Below. I feel like The Love Below, when Andre three thousand did it, he went super weird. And I feel like I didn't appreciate it back then because I'm like, what the fuck is he doing with this prototype and hey, ya and all this other stuff. But I feel like if I listen to it now, I'll definitely give it the respect that it deserves because I'm way more into that weird, sh- that weird music shit than uh, than I ever was before. But, um, you know, he branched off into acting. He was in Be Cool and he was fucking hilarious in that movie. Uh, Four Brothers, Idlewild, Semi Pro, uh, All Is By My Side, which is a Jimi Hendrix biopic. I've never seen it. I heard that the casting was good, but, you know, my uncle's a big Jimi Hendrix fan, and he said that, you know, the casting with Andre 3000 as Hendrix was awesome, but he said there was a lot of shit in that movie that they tried to sweep under the rug, and they just didn't do it the way they should have. Um, one of the things I like about Andre 3000 is is uh, is his depth. For him to be, you know, somewhat of a brand new actor on the scene, for him to be in something like Idlewild, which is a period piece where he does some really good acting, and it's actually a sing-along as much as it is a movie, it's a musical as well, semi-pro, you know, you're alongside a fucking Woody Harrelson and Will Ferrell, and you're just being, a, you know, a comedic actor, be cool, you're being a comedic actor where he's like, you know, he's the goon that, you know, sips little teacups with his pinky out and shit, with his gun in his hand, or he's like resting the teacup the plate he's resting the plate that the teacup is on on top of his gun while his pinky is out and you know he's always mad at cedric the entertainer because cedric won't let him kill anybody he gets to kill somebody at the end i love that movie i love um i love his role as uh oh what's his name jerry and four brothers because you know he he's got two little daughters and he's you know he's married to taraji p henson and he's the one that you know even though they're on the hunt for who killed their mother he doesn't really want no parts in that shit man because whatever lifestyle he had prior to uh evelyn mercer getting killed and prior to him having that family he was you know he regardless of what happened man he's a family man now he he's not just so not with it but he pulls his weight man he's kind of like the brains of the operation as opposed to like Mark Wahlberg and Tyrese and Garrett Hedlund's character they're like the muscle and you know shit like that but 
Andre 3000 character Jerry is definitely the brains and like I said I like that he could be humorous or serious and he just Andre 3000 a lot of times doesn't seem like he's acting he's just a very natural actor on screen and he's also a character actor man he can put himself you know he played Jimi Hendrix you don't get a lot of actors who can um you know, I've said this about Chadwick Boseman before. You don't get a lot of actors who can just jump into biopics and just make it work. Um, and again, I do have to see the Jimi Hendrix movie, but those are big. Sh you know, that, that's a serious role to take on, man. But he is a character actor. You know, he's not he's never playing the same person in uh, in every single movie. And I, I can definitely I can definitely respect that about him. So. With that being said, does his acting work? I think absolutely. I think Andre 3000 is one of those characters where I want to see him in more serious, dramatic roles. I I, I want to see Andre 3000 in a horror movie, honestly. I want to see how he can hold his own in a horror movie. And I, I want him in another movie where... Um, he can he can carry the film on his shoulders and be that lead role and be that central character where people are going to look at him like listen this guy you know i want him to like win something one day like an oscar or something like that that's how much i like him on screen now my overall thoughts on this people as we wrap it up um i'll keep it brief like i said earlier on there are times where producers and directors and studios they just want to get the hottest thing smoking you know they want to get whatever rappers on the top of the charts i think they actually might go to the charts the billboard charts like what iggy azalea's at the top of the charts right now all right let's throw her in a cameo on fucking fast seven all right um dj college at the top of the charts all right let's throw him in, in one scene in uh bad boys for life you know what i'm saying like and those are cameo roles but i feel like all the time you you know when act and I'm not trying to put any rappers in a box right now because there are a lot of rappers out here that do this mumble shit like these kids in particular that are very intelligent man they are just doing what they got to do for a check because they sold out you know the studios the the um the uh what am I trying to say the industry and these labels basically made them sell out and they manufacture these kids you know they find these kids who look like fucking hawk from um uh, uh, you know, Cobra Kai, they look like Paul from the Wonder Years, and it's like, I got you, kid. Then they throw a shit ton of tattoos on his face, give him some multicolored hair, multicolored grills, some skinny jeans with some spikes on them, give him some Spice Girls platform shoes, a skirt, and some fucking, uh, you know, some eyeliner and all this crazy shit so they can be edgy and goth and depressed and dark and cool, and it's like, they manufacture artists, but there are a lot of artists out here that, um that should not act ever in life and i feel like some of those you know some of those rappers that should not act and this is no diss man this is just my opinion sticky fingers should never act i don't want to see him in another fucking i don't want to see him in into deep i don't want to see him in leprechaun back to the hood i don't want to see him in house of the dead too I don't want to see him in the short-lived Blade TV series. Yes, they had one, and Sticky Fingers played Blade. If y'all don't believe me, go check it out. I don't want to see Ice-T act. I know he's got his credits on CSI or whatever the hell that, you know, detective show is. I, you know, I don't want to see him in that. Leprechaun in the Hood is one of my favorite guilty pleasures, but it's like his acting sometimes in that movie. It, I don't want to see him. I don't know if Nelly's been in anything. I think I've only seen him in The Longest Yard. I want Nelly to stick to whatever he's doing right now. I don't want to see him on screen. <coughs> Excuse me. 
I don't want to see Fredro Starr on screen. You know why? And I like Fredro Starr. Onyx was one of my favorite groups as a kid. I don't want to see Fredro Starr on screen anymore because he don't have no off switch. This motherfucker is gangster all the time. And it's like, yo, we get it, dog. We understand. You're a fucking goon. You murder people in their sleep and you wake them back up after you bring them back to life just to murder them again. We understand, dog. But even in Moesha, this motherfucker is supposed to be the romantic lead and he's knocking on the door like, yo, Mr. Mitch, I'm here to take your daughter out, motherfucker. And it's like, dog, you literally have no off switch at all. I, I don't want to. I don't want to see him. And I love Sunset Park. Love that movie. He, 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 I, I like his character, but it's like after a while, you literally are typecast. You're playing the same character over and over and over. You have no off switch. Uh, Diddy, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what I've seen him in. I don't, I don't think I saw all of Carlito's way rise to power. I don't remember what his role exactly was in Monsters Ball. I do remember him and get him to the Greek. And I'm not really crazy about get him to the Greek, but Diddy is like, you're literally playing yourself. And I think he was in like a, a stage adaptation or something, some type of adaptation of, of Raisin in the Sun, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that, but I don't want to see Diddy in no movies, man. Because every time I look at you, I think you're about to assemble the band as far as the cast members go. And then I think you're going to have them drop an album and then you're just going to dismantle the band, I, you know. And get him to the Greek. That's what I thought he was gonna do. I thought he was gonna make fucking uh, Russell Brand and Jonah Hill drop a drop a drop a album, and they were probably gonna have to yell cut like Diddy. Like you know, you're this is a movie, right? Uh, Cameron is another person I don't want to see in another movie ever again. And it's not to say that Cameron can't act, but I don't want to see him in another movie again because he played that fucking role of Rico and paid him full too good too good you're too good of a bad guy and a shyster so i don't want you in no more movies that's gonna piss me off cameron is like one of the only people on this list one of because you know buster rhymes and resurrection piss me off for different reasons but cameron he was too thorough in that role and when i say thorough he nailed it he was way too good so i don't want to see him in nothing else because i'm not going to trust you every movie you in cameron i'm gonna see you as rico and i'm not going to trust you i don't give a fuck if they send cameron to space in armageddon 2 and he's the only he's like earth's only hope i'm not going to trust you dog because i'm feel like i'm feel like you're gonna murder the whole crew for 10 keys that they got smuggled inside the fucking space rover i'm not with it dog i don't want to see you in another movie now <clears throat> Before I wrap it up, my honorable mentions uh, for rappers that I didn't mention that actually have decent acting skills. Kid Cudi's one of them. Uh, Kid Cudi, I first saw him in Need for Speed, and he was not all that bad. I know people kept saying he kept pulling uh, helicopters and choppers out of his ass, and he was just that maverick. Uh, he kept saying people to call him, telling people to call him maverick. His acting is very subtle, and he tries to be, you know, he tries to be humorous. I, I can admire that. Another one. Might come as a shock to people. Machine Gun Kelly. I saw him in this movie called Nerve. Uh, I saw him in this movie Bird Box, which I, yo, Machine Gun Kelly's acting is not bad at all, man. That's actually one guy that's actually got hip hop, uh, pop rock and uh, acting down pack, man. So shout out to the versatility and, and MGK, man. Big shout out to him. Eminem, you know, I sh I'm mad that I did not put Eminem on this list, man. And you know, I think it's because I had I was so frantic with the list and trying to get over and done with that. I didn't get a chance to squeeze Eminem in, but you know, Eight Mile sold it for me. You know, he was in the Wash and he was in uh, Funny People with Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen. But uh, Eight Mile was awesome. Eminem doesn't, you know, he's he's an intense actor as well. He can be funny, but he's like it's almost like he's playing himself without 
being typecast because you're used people are used to Eminem just being this wild, wacky, just controversial person. But in Eight Mile, he was so laid back, like how he is in his interviews, and it was just such a natural role. Um, two more I want to mention, get my honorable mentions, then we up out of here. Actually, three more. Uh, the last one is for a reason, but Queen Latifah, man set it off bringing down the house and you know i know she was in just right and the last holiday and stuff like that but set it off is always the one i think of queen latifah can be funny she can be serious she can be dramatic like i almost cried as a kid when uh you know when she died when cleo died and set it off when she got hit the fuck up and they were playing they were playing against the win i actually have an episode i'm doing uh called tear inducing moments in black cinema where i mentioned uh Queen Latifah's Cleo character getting hit the fuck up in that movie. She went out like a G though. And the last person I want to give an honorable mention to, which may come as a shock to people as well, is Bow Wow. Bow Wow's acting, I was actually, very, you know, we saw him in like Carmen. Like I said, he was in Carmen the Hip Hopper. He was in all about the Benjamins. He was a little kid in there. He was in like Mike. I ain't with all that, them, them roles he was in. I wasn't a fan of like Mike even back in the day. But when I saw him in Roll Bounce, I'm like, not only is this a really good period piece that doesn't feel like a dressed period piece, um, but this is an emotional movie. And Bow Wow's got a really great emotional scene with that. Uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but he was the guy, the black guy in um, Gone in 60 Seconds. He's actually in a lot of fucking movies, but he plays uh, Bow Wow's dad. And there's that scene where Bow Wow's just beating the shit out that, uh, you know, the car in the garage. And, you know, he's just venting about his mom and why God took my mom from me. I love, I love that scene in the movie, man. And to, to get that type of acting out of, um, out of Bow Wow, shout out to Malcolm D. Lee for even directing Roll Bounce. That's a really underrated period piece, man. And it's, uh, it's pretty much for the culture, man. Uh, the, the black culture and the skating culture as well, more than anything. But I, I love, I love his role in that movie and I low key love, not even low key, high key, man. I'm not ashamed to say it. I actually might do commentary for it eventually. A lottery ticket. He's got that scene with Brandon T. Jackson on the rooftop where I really, you know, I think they were really mad at each other at some point. And th that, that scene got really intense, man. And it's, it's a really emotional scene. And Bow Wow really carried the, you know, he had, you got Mike Epps, Brandon T. Jackson, the Tory Nalton, Leslie, um, what's her name? Leslie Jones. Uh, the late great Charlie Murphy, Ice Cube, the, the star-studded cast, man. But Bow Wow really put that thing on his shoulders and really carried that movie, no matter how many great cast members were around her. So, or around him rather. But uh, yeah, that's my last honorable mention. But I say that to say this, people, with all the honorable mentions I gave, with all the people I said that I don't think should act, with all the people I had on this top ten list of rappers turned actors and whether they can pull it off or not. Will Smith is still the reigning champ. Will Smith still got it. Uh, yeah, rapper turned actor, man. Will Smith had the rap game first, but he still is reigning champ forever. Until proven otherwise, Will got it, man. Will has made me laugh on screen. Will has made me cry on screen. Pursuit of Happiness, shout out to that movie. He has made me like cheer, like, yeah, fuck him up. Like he's, he, he's taken me through every type of emotion on screen, man, because he's played a bunch of different characters on screen. I've also got an episode I'm going to do um, breaking down like my favorite Will Smith, my top 10 Will Smith roles and stuff like that. But yeah, he's still the reigning champ, man. He got it. He got it in the bag. And Will's actually a walking banger as well. You know, in the, in the likes of somebody like, uh, you know, like I said, Busta Rhymes, El Cool J, you know, you can't put him in a top five or top 10 anything because Will could drop a, a song right now and it do numbers. He actually dropped that, uh, you know, that verse on Joyner Lucas's um 
I think the song's called Will, but Will dropped that shit and nobody believed it was him. They was like, wait, that's Will? He got bars? And I'm like telling people like, Will Ben had bars. You know, I was about to mention, he did this freestyle. If nobody believes me, look up this freestyle Will Smith did years ago on Tim Westwood where he raps off of, um the Lean Back, the Fat Joe Lean Back beat. He fucking bodied that John like he was still in his prime killed that beat and it's like something that you can listen to today no matter how many years ago it came out Will Smith bodied that shit like I said Tim Westwood TV freestyle Will Smith when he raps off the lean back beat please listen to it man he kills that shit and he mentions how he kills the block the, the box office as well but even then Will Smith's when he comes out with a movie he comes out with a song you listen to Men in Black you listen to Wild Wild West and all this other stuff his songs coincide with the movie. You know, he's talking in, in Wild Wild West, whether people like the movie or not. I love that fucking movie. But the song with Kumo D and Cisco, it's like he's 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 saying, you know, um, he says, swallow your pride. Don't let your lip react. You don't want to see my hand where my hip be at. Like, because James West is a is a is a gunsmith. You know what I'm saying? His lyrics are fucking insane. Now, whether people call him like a kid-friendly rapper or not that shit worked man that man got rapping and acting down pack <coughs> excuse me so he still ran and chant people and that uh pretty much concludes it man and this episode has been brought so let me stop talking my shit man because i definitely i'm like super dehydrated and i don't know if y'all can tell like i keep like coughing a little bit so i definitely need some some ice water i feel like like the penguin at the end of batman returns but y'all already know where to go man and if y'all don't which y'all better but just in the case that y'all don't, I don't want to make any threats. Y'all can follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Again, if anybody is sending me firm requests and if you are not a robot, clickbait, you know, um, any serial murder type of shit. And, you know, if you're sending me firm requests listening to this uh, on Facebook in particular, uh, please send me a message and let me know that you're like a listener and a supporter of the, you know, of the podcast, because I don't know. I don't be knowing who people are half the time. And that's why I said I wish I could see who listens to every episode <clears throat> um, individually. So, you know, I could know who everybody is. But, you know, doesn't work like that, unfortunately. But, um. Yeah, follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor, nonetheless. Shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. I'll be posting this up in there soon. And um, last but not least, shout out to the two, the reviewers, the listeners, the lovers, the supporters out there, man. Y'all still killing in the game, still being awesome. And y'all know we're still shooting for that 5K. We're not stopping no time soon, man. <clears throat> Like I said, three pages left in this notebook and plenty of content to go around and then some on loose leaf. And I still got four more notebooks. I'm planning on filling up with content. I'm not sure. I don't want to blow my load too fast, but I got to make sure. Like I always say, man, I got to make sure I'm locked and loaded for 2021 because y'all already know, man, the love and support y'all show me. I show it back to y'all tenfold and then some. So with that being said, people, yours truly, Romero Tudor, another episode of Tudor Reviews in the can. I'll check y'all on the next one.